This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Eating processed food for every meal isn't healthy for people or for dogs. We all know that. And kibble is subject to multiple rounds of high heat processing, making an ultra processed food. The farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. My dog, Barnaby, loves the farmer's dogs. When he sees me pulling one of those packets out, he comes running. It's personalized, vet-developed, and it has recipes for as little as $2 a day. Meals arrive in pre-portion, ready-to-serve packs, and they're conveniently delivered on whatever schedule works for me. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. That's 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we talk about how to build happier habits into your everyday life. This week, we'll talk about having an end-of-the-year ritual and, drumroll, we will have an interview with Drew Barrymore. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, the sage, Elizabeth Kraft. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA. And Gretchen, I am beyond excited to talk to Drew. Yes. Also, I am beyond excited that your paperback book came out. Better Than Before is out in paperback. How does it feel? It's great. It's really exciting for a writer to like walk into a bookstore and see the book in, you know, in the wild. Um, so, no, it's very exciting to have it out in paperback. And I think the cover looks great. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I mean, the other exciting news is that uh, our live event is coming up January 21st in San Francisco. Tickets are selling, so go to slate.com slash happier if you can make it. Um, we'd love to see you in San Francisco. Tickets are selling fast, so come buy your ticket. So, Elizabeth, this week, our try this at home tip is to have an end of the year ritual. And it's a little funny that we're picking this because actually neither one of us has a good end of the year ritual. I know, but it we heard about it, and it sounds like a good idea. Yeah, now, one of the ones I heard, um, I would not do myself, I have to say, as an underbuyer, I find this kind of shocking, but I heard about a woman who, to ma- mark the new year, takes everything out of her refrigerator. She throws away everything, the mustard, the pickles. She goes all the way to bare shelves. And I, I would never do that myself, but I have to admit, it sounds kind of exhilarating, too. It does. And I mean, there are things in our fridge that are definitely two years past expiration date. I mean, I'll look at some marmalade thing and I'm like, wait, 2012? I think I want to have an end of the original. What would it be? I don't know. I want to, maybe maybe I'll do like a, a house cleaning where I just go through every room and put every single thing where it's supposed to be. I work on this all the time, but somehow it never 
gets done. But that's, I, I, I don't know. I would love to hear from listeners if people have kind of more interesting or exciting or thought-provoking end of year rituals than just kind of clutter clearing as as enticing as that sounds yeah you know i was thinking i would love to do like a photo book as an end of year Uh, ritual so you just get those photos off the computer and into some kind of book but i know that i will never do that but i was thinking i might be able to get adam to do it so that's my secret plan that's a great plan we'll see some kind of scrapbook photo book memento of the year that is a great idea but you're right it's probably a fair amount of work one thing i do is i i i go through and write all the birthdays in my calendar for the year because i still use a paper calendar i still use a file fact so that's a little thing that i do that's a ritual for sure it's important too because otherwise i will forget you know a birthday if it's not written in my calendar. Yeah. So so let us know if you have an interesting try this at home suggestion uh, for an end of the year ritual, because we, we're, we're, we're on the hunt for a good ritual. Um, let us know, Twitter, Facebook, email at podcast at com, or you can go to happiercast.com slash 44, which is the entry for this episode. So let us know. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And now our interview with Drew Barrymore, who is joining us in the studio in New York City. So exciting. Now, it's hard to sum up everything that Drew Barrymore has done and is doing. She got her first professional job at 11 months. She's been a star since age six when she was Gertie in E.T. And she started movies like The Wedding Singer, Ever After, Fifty First Dates, which, by the way, is a movie Jamie loves. Um, Charlie's Angels. She's a fa- co-founder of Flower Films, a production company. And Gretch, I have to mention, she directed Whip It, which is a movie you and I both love. Yes. Then... You know, like being a major Hollywood figure wasn't enough to keep her busy. She also started Flower Beauty, a cosmetics line, and Flower Wines. And she just published her second book, which is excellent, Wildflower. Hello, it's nice to meet you. I'm Julia Gulia. It's nice to meet you. I'm Mrs. Julia Gulia. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Hello, Drew Barrymore. Welcome to Happier. We are so happy to have you join us here in New York. I can't believe I'm with B. Gretchen. (laughs) I'm tripping out right now because I can't 
tell you how much I love your book for my best friend's bachelorette weekend. Everyone was to contribute something in the bags, and I put the happiness journal in there for all the girls. And... I, I have a story for you, which is that you and my in-laws, ah. um, who I'm very close with, belong to uh, the same establishment. Mm-hmm. And every time I've gone there, I ask my sister, who is a sister-in-law, but we've just dropped the in-law, <laughs> Jill, who's also a writer, yeah. like Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, and I've gone on like several stalking missions trying to find <laughs> you. Because I wanted to meet you so badly. And then this one particular week, I was doing a hashtag on my Instagram called um, Amazing Women Week. And I wanted to find you and get a picture of you so badly. And it was on Halloween. And I was asking everyone if you were there. And I probably seemed a little creepy because I've been stalking you at this place for a long time. So I'm very happy to get to meet you finally. Oh, that's so great. And Elizabeth. And like... You know, I feel like I know you guys from the world that you've created and put out there and and been so giving with and ingratiating. Oh, well, thank you so much. That's so nice. Oh, yeah. And um, I know Jill, Drew, and I have to say shout out to Odd Mom Out. We're talking about Jill Cargman. Great show. Yeah. I love her so much. I hit, I call it in the book, the in-law jackpot, and she's the same. It's like sister-in-law jackpot. Ding, 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 ding. Well, that was one of the things that was struck me about your book and about me and Elizabeth is we all have really great relationships with our in-laws. And that talk about a happiness booster, that makes a big difference. It's um, it's really glue. Yeah, it's it binds you in a different way when nothing has bound me more than children. Uh-huh. Like any mm-hmm. relationship I've ever had, um, and I and I thought that I couldn't be bound more than like what I've had with my friends because they were my chosen family and I right. didn't have that family family, and I just have such a bond and such loyalty, such fierce lion-like loyalty with my friends. In fact, the book is a lot of a love letter to a lot of them. And and I just was telling Jill, my editor who's here, we were texting last night, and I said, I wish I had had my children sooner because I want like more time with them. But I was, I wouldn't have been ready and I wouldn't have been at the right place. But I now know what love is. Right. So this whole sort of new chapter of blood family, in-laws, like yes. this new glue is, um, it's extraordinary. And it's like nothing I've ever known. It's, it's, it's amazing. Well, it seems like one of the things that you talk about in your book is that you, in many ways, figured out what you wanted in it for a happy life by doing the opposite of what your own experience was, <laughs> which is a very um, profound way to think about what you want from a happy life. But it's not a very pleasant way. Like, I remember that you have this hilarious description in your book of the kind of lunchbox hunger games at your school and Mm. how your mom didn't pack you a lunch. Yeah. And so you were kind of out there in the wild um, and how sort of traumatic it was and how it even reverberates into your kind of feelings now. (laughs) And I I am a seagull. Yeah. (laughs) I am an angry, (laughs) semi like homeless seagull that like really does have a desperate look in my eyes. Yeah. And so how how have you thought about it, it sort of 
thinking about, okay, this is what I didn't have. This is what I'm going to provide. This is what I'm going to build in. This is what I'm going to cement in for myself. Well, one of the things in my homework that you gave me, um, <laughs> so for the, the tip aspect, which I'll answer when you ask me, but it, it, it has some connection to, you talk about picture frames so much in your book. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was a kid that like, I swear to God, I was so bewildered by families that had picture frames. <gasps> and it was, and then it's like when I saw the pictures hanging on the wall of my husband's uh, apartment, you know, with his family and like this whole life lived, this, you know, long drawn out generations of a family. And it's like what hit my intimidation button right back to that uh. sort of like, weird childhood but the other side of that childhood feeling was it was intimidation because I just didn't have the picture frames like I never had dinner with my mom and my dad let alone a picture of the three of us and I always longed for it like I aspired it gave me a very positive feeling too like I wasn't like oh I don't know what that's like and that just hurts my feelings and why didn't I have that what's wrong with you know my life I really felt the opposite I was like that looks beautiful. And one day maybe when I create my own family, I will do that. And it was a really glowing, warm, uh, impressionable, imprintable feeling Mm -hmm. that I had. It never made me feel angry or bad. It always made me feel like that's a great way to live. And the way that you talked about it in your book, which I hadn't thought about, and, and I just think is the other side of that coin of such incredible insight and positivity is is it just is the constant reminders of the memories mm. and to keep convincing yourself when you get distracted and lost and away from like the connective tissue of these moments lived that are so grounding and I just loved that so much it was like finding another puzzle piece to something that has been so impressionable to me picture frames of families in their home it's a big deal to me and I I just loved that your book talked about that so much throughout the book it was like woven through it so I knew it was a thing for you and Drew I'm curious now that you have this great family and you have all these things in place are there times where you still feel like lost like oh I didn't have this in my childhood I don't know how to proceed You know, um, sometimes I have that feeling and it's usually when I'm questioning myself or I feel like I'm being questioned, um, that can throw me into like a, oh God, I just have no blueprint here and this is really hard. (laughs) But I, I try to remind myself that a lot of parents feel that way. You know, there is no manual and (laughs) I, I was, I was very intimidated at first when my baby first baby was first born at everyone talking about these instincts these profound you know instincts that (laughs) every mother gets and I was like it's not happening or how do you get them like and if you know if someone is telling you how to do something which you feel like is vital life-saving information you're like (laughs) is that going to create an instinct that just sounds like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and when will they kick in and I was so anxious for 
them to kick in and I was like is it going to be an overarching instinct like a rainbow that comes upon me or is it going to be like skittles on the floor and like there'll be little instincts all over the place about tiny details and that was the thing that I felt um was like is that going to be a nature nurture am I going to get them later because I didn't have Ah. a mom or a dad to pull from in a memory sense? And is my instincts going to take a while longer because I'm really starting from ground zero? Or is it, you know, is it something that just takes a while for every woman, like this sort of mellifluous, ongoing, um, very fluid process? And, uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I've discovered it. It is something that comes upon you like a slow wave, um, a, a nice large, you know, blanket that sort of wafts upon you, and then you have those light bulb, shocking, electric epiphanies here and there. Where you go, wait, no, no, I know what I'm supposed to do here, and some is like, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling like I can handle this more, and. It's it's a bit of a a dance that's very elegant and waltz like, and then all of a sudden it's like crazy disco, you know, <laughs> and like electric another minute. Um, and uh, it just it's it's nice when you do start to connect with your instincts because everybody tells you you're supposed to have them and until you really feel like you do and and then they're ever changing Mm -hmm. as your kid grows up it's first it's survival and then it's behavioral (laughs) and it's constantly keeping you on your toes kids just keep you on your toes every second one thing that worked an hour ago isn't going to work in the next hour it's so wild that's so true um but yeah i i that was something that i was um very aware of and and intimidated by and then appreciative when they would come instincts. Yeah. Now, one th- I'm obsessed with the issue of habits and happiness. Are there any habits that you follow that you feel like consistently help keep you, you know, happier, healthier, more productive, more grounded? I mean, you do like such a gigantic. You have so many balls in the air at all, all times. Like, are there habits that you do that help you just keep up with all that? Um, I think the fundamental is remembering how lucky I am. <gasps> and I can get really caught up in the BS or <laughs> frustrated with how exhausted I am or feel like, you know, correspondence just never – I mean, I'm I'm convinced correspondence in the tech world is an avalanche. Like you push some away with your little fingertips and you like you, your eyes peek out and then someone kicks another email into you. And you're like, there go my eyes again. God, I will never get out of this avalanche. Yeah, we have and, to ban reply all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just too much. It's, sure. and, and, and it makes me feel like a constant failure because when uh. I'm not on top of things or ahead of things and it's like even when I clean it all up, it just gets the snow gets just all kicked all over me again and i'm like oh and then i i have to remember okay like think about how lucky you are think about how good life is think about what you have is this correspondence a number 1 important mm-hmm. in your life no it's <laughs> mm-hmm. like number 7 at best 
So why is number seven making you feel like you failed on every level? Right. You know, even last night I was in my bed and I was like, I can't believe I get to sleep in a bed. I can't uh. believe how lucky I am. I am blessed. And it was... You know, and then I was like, you really should think about that more often, like every night, how lucky you are. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, I'm beating myself up because I don't feel grateful enough for my gratitude. Oh, Oh my God. I I mean, I really when I saw the guy in the Da Vinci Code just cat a nine tailing himself in the back repeatedly with like long strands of leather and 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 metal spikes. I was like, yeah, I love him. I get him. That's like me at like throughout the day. And I'm the kind of person that, like, you know, will dare make a joke. And if it doesn't land, I'm like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Like, why did I make that joke? Like, that fell so flat and created an awkward moment. You are such a loser. <sighs> and then I'm like, why am I? It's yeah. it's a joke. That person's probably, yeah, if they think I'm a loser, they're probably on to the next thing about themselves right. or other things. But but then I don't I don't think that way. I'm I'm very okay. Happiness to me is when everyone else is happy, and um, mm-hmm. I I feel like, and this goes back to the correspondence, so it'll come full circle and, and hopefully make some sense. Is when I clean the inbox, I feel like everybody's been gotten back to, so they feel addressed and content. That makes me feel good. It's the anxiety that they don't feel that that actually is the root of the problem. It's not my failure. It's that other people feel content. When my kids are happy, when they're healthy, that's a number one. So if emails are number seven, the kids are number one. Okay, great. Now I've got the priorities. When people are happy, I am happy. But but here must be a special challenge for you because the fact is you are this huge, famous person who everybody recognizes. And so like an average person would walk into a room and there's a few people who would recognize them and maybe have these expectations or want to have a nice interaction with them. But for you, it's like that, that, that level of people who want to have a positive interaction with yep. you must just be sort of unfathomable to kind of the average person who just knows who they know. And so do you feel just depleted by that? Like you it go in- adds another avalanche sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, I think it has confounded the notion that we and the realization that we are all energy like uh-huh. people. And. If I was to have a negative exchange with someone, not only will it make me feel bad, but that person will carry that negativity yes. away from them with them. And I just can't handle that. Like, I don't like that. And I don't think it's necessary. And it is exhausting sometimes, sure. And, you know, God, if I'm having a fight with my husband or something and someone comes up and they're like, can I get a picture? Right, and you're like, right, 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 I right. wish I felt comfortable <laughs> enough to tell you why I'm irritated right now. It has nothing to do with you. I'm having a moment with in my personal life. Can you please just give me a, you know, mulligan here? Yeah. Um, but you can't you can't say that. So you kind of just grit your teeth and get through the moment. And you're like, it's fine. Like, just take it. Good. Bye. Done. You'll go off and carry on with your universe and I'll get back to mine and it'll all be fine. But I also am lucky in that I grew up with it. So it's very normal to me. It's mm-hmm. a little bit of that. This is your destiny. And it it comes with a lot of gratitude of you are just no different than anyone else. That's just a weird part of your quilt. (laughs) It's a weird patch (laughs) in your quilt. And you honor it and you say thank you for it and you move on. And it never goes in the pocket of my ego. 
and I know what's real and I know what's important. And it's been a really good discipline for me in my life not to get caught up in the BS and to continue to make sure that you know your behavior really does affect other people. You have an, an opportunity to send that person away feeling good or bad. Which, which do you choose? And, you know, Drew, as you sort of got to this place throughout, you know, this journey to become who you are now and have these insights, reading Wildflower, it seemed like a pretty significant moment in that process was when you were building that fire. Yes. And um, the Outward Bound trip you took with Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu to promote Charlie's Angels. Yeah. Uh, do you want to set that up a little and maybe read? Sure. Yeah. Shall I read that yeah, passage right. you marked? So you're you're struggling to make the fire, right? The- yeah. Um, so they in the survival world, they're teaching you how to like eat leaves off trees that are <laughs> you know going to create saliva in your mouth. And of course, I'm like, I'd rather die out here. And uh, the other girls, Cameron and Lucy, were just like teachers' pets. They were. <laughs> Loving every second of it. And I was outcast because I was in such a just I was I was losing it. I lost it. I didn't I wasn't losing. I lost it completely. And um, everything had a survival aspect, how you learn to sleep outside at night and use leaves as a blanket, etc. So here was the moment we were learning to make fire. Uh, and it goes something like this. I'm reading from the book. But I was thrilled and I could never have appreciated it in the same way if I hadn't been through what I had been through. Simple as that. Everything has to get taken away. It has in my life too. Everything went away when I was 13 and I lost my job, my credibility, and my freedom. And I had to rebuild everything. But like with the fire, I didn't give up. I may not have done it with grace, but I fought my way into something better and more enlightened. I will have many more rounds to go in life, but this was a big one. My lesson here was that you do not give up. You hold yourself accountable. You stay grateful and you hold on tight to your friends. That's so beautiful. And then a couple of pages later, you say, I'd grown up a little bit more right at the point when I needed to. And I think that's the thing for a lot of us is like, now is when I need to step it up and I can. And like that, that's such a beautiful moment. You know, and another thing that really struck both Elizabeth and me, we were talking about this. Um, it's this idea of personal symbols, um, because we we talked about uh, personal symbols ourselves. My personal symbol is the bluebird, of course. Yeah, and you have the flower symbol, yes. which yeah. get, you get to write in like page two of the book when you talk about the bougainvillea that grew in your you know, West Hollywood apartment. It was so effective and impressionable. Yeah. Well, no, you cr- create such a picture of like this sort of gritty, urban, concrete landscape, and then this beautiful wall of gorgeous flowers. Yes, with the most incredible color of vibrant maroon fuchsia purple red you've ever seen and then I just thought you know what let's just everybody's a different flower but some people are a cabbage rose some people are a dandelion some people you know are a sunflower well, my, my spiritual master is Saint Therese and she says she's one of the little wild flowers <sighs> of the forest yeah not a lily or a rose but a little wild flower yeah, yeah everybody's different so I thought in a what flower are you kind of way maybe this is good because flower film seems more like a garden mm. and uh, I loved uh, Candide 
Um, oh. And the end line of cultivate your garden. I thought this is more ingratiating. This is more encompassing. And, you know, I have a chapter called All Ages Party in the book. I I love your happiness project because I feel like you had an, a personal notion, but what you did is you cast a very wide net uh-huh. for everyone to jump into. And, and I always wanted to do that with movies and storytelling was some little aspiration I had in my heart or Nan had in her heart. We would build so that really it's at the end of the day, it it isn't for you. It's for everyone else. Um, but it comes from you. And if it's personal, it'll, it'll be more meaningful and it'll be more human. But I like when things are about other people. And I feel like that's what you did with your book. And, and, and that's why I thought, oh, Flower Films is better than Daisy because oh. it's, it's the whole garden. It's everybody. I like things that are for everybody. Well, and I have to note you're wearing fla- a flowered shirt right now. I it's am. covered with flowers, which I, I love. Tie it, you know. And um, also, flower is a noun and a verb, which I hadn't thought about that until you're talking about you are la- allowing things to flower. Oh, I many love flowers. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's good. flower films, flower wine, flower. I mean, it's it's wildflower it's, is such a great it, title oh, my for gosh. your book because thank yes. you. I give credit to Jill again, my editor, ah. who I worked so closely with, it's and perfect. And I'm not posing myself as some ornate fancy flower because <laughs> I'm not. I'm a funny little wildflower. <laughs> You know, it's just, perfect. It's perfect. I'm free. You can grab me off the <laughs> side of the road. No, when and you say how dandelions are one of your favorite flowers. I, I love dandelions. I love dandelions. I yeah. see those commercials for spray that kills them. And I think, why? You know, I am in the first line of defense of flowers. And yeah. dandelions, you know, yes. don't and make them the pawns all you want. But, like, I yeah. love them. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. yeah. Now, now, one of the things we talk about... Uh, a lot is the tendencies. And so you took the quiz, the online quiz, to see your tendency. So what do you think your tendency is? I was trying to figure that out as I was reading the book. Well, according to your test, I'm an obliger. Uh, oh, okay. Elizabeth, that's what I said. That's what you I, did? Yeah, I did? I did, yes. And yes. what are you and Elizabeth? Uh, I'm an upholder. Okay. And Elizabeth. I'm an obliger. I just oh. thought you might be, be you might be a rebel because of you know some of the things in your book and there is sort of a rebel obliger uh, affinity to thing. Yeah, affinity that happens. It's hard because, um, and I was talking about this with Jill, and she said, well, you know, ask ask them about this, is that <laughs> the test was, was, I'm sure it's tricky for everyone because nobody's all one thing. Um, but I... I really get things done when it's for other people. Yeah. Like, I just, I'm a fulfiller. I've made that clear. I'm happy when people are, they've, they've, I, I, Nan always said, you keep your promises in life mm-hmm. and in uh. this world, as she's sprinkled so many brilliant seeds She of sounded like an upholder to me. She, I mean, to me, she's everything, you know, <laughs> she's, um, because it's funny for someone who's like that wise and that together, I find those people aren't always the funnest also. Uh, like, Elizabeth, what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, I always, I always uh, get on Gretchen about being a bit of a killjoy. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. In a loving way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There can be kind of an element of. 
Is that from like cynicism? Is that from like um, worry or fear? Is that just from? It's from marching through the to-do list. It's like we don't have time for this because we've got five things we need to get done. So we're gonna just and 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 that that feeling can can get in the way. Yeah. Whereas obligers tend to be more like, hey, come. I don't know. There is an element I think of. I mean, Elizabeth is tons more fun than I am. Anybody would say. (laughs) Well, I think you're a lot of fun. There are moments. There are just moments. But it also seemed to me like you seemed like an obliger in a way where obligers often really uh, do best when there's a lot of external accountability. And you seem to me to be describing yourself as a child who longed for structure and wanted to have people who and you and you sought out these mentors and these guides who could help you provide structure. Yeah. So you went about it in a very systematic way, even from a very young age. Yeah. Because there was nobody close to you in your life who was providing that structure for you. And since it's hard for obligers to create it for themselves, you were kind of lost and searching. And it seems like a lot of what you've done is to figure out ways to create sort of the scaffolding. Yeah. To create the life that then you're meeting the expectations of others, which are really the expectations that you have for yourself. Yeah. And that's kind of the central obliger struggle. It's I'm I'm very accountable when it comes to yes. others. But like I, you know, I I just really fall off the wagon and consistency is my biggest issue when it comes to myself. Yeah. Like health, diet, exercise, yeah. you know, anything in that sort of take care of oneself. Yeah. It's it's the first thing to fall off the table. But I everything with work gets done. I'm like, how am I like, how do I have cellulite going from the back of my knee up to my shoulders? And yet everything on the work list mm-hmm. was checked off. But like <laughs> somehow like. I literally haven't gotten to the gym in three weeks. Like, this is unacceptable. And then I will go whole hog. I'll be there, you know, five days a week for three months. And then the next three months, I, like, will barely, you know, wiggle a toe. It's a Consistency is a giant issue for me in my life personally. Uh, professionally, obligation-wise, to others, to my family, to it's like it's it's infallible. Yeah, and it just shocks me. And you know, maybe listen. I saw like this. I got in trouble a lot because I was trying to say like you can't have it all. And I think women felt like, what do you mean? Like that's not acceptable. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like it's then I'm not saying it right because I hippie long stocking is my spirit animal <laughs> and there is no glass ceiling for yeah. women in my perspective I can't even see one and they just don't exist and we've already punched through them and everyone like has all the opportunities that maybe you have to create them for yourselves they don't fall into your lap but everyone can do anything so Mason found me this quote yesterday that I really loved and I just wanted to share it which is that you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like that's what I try to sort of live by is that there are the possibilities are endless. There, There is no end to them. But everything all at once isn't mm. like quantum physics possible. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't know how it is for men, but. I mean, as mothers and jugglers, I I, I can be really hard on myself um, about how much I'm pulling off and able to accomplish. So I guess 
you know, in some ways, I'm the first thing I do throw off the list mm-hmm. just so that I meet the criterias of everything and everyone else. Right. And then, you know, I wonder why I can't fit into my jeans. <laughs> I'm like, oh, because you ate spaghetti uh-huh. bolognese to the, an episode of The Good Wife last <laughs> night and didn't get to the gym. And I think a lot of moms relate to that exact same thing. I mean, I shared the whole haven't gone to the gym in three weeks thing. And it sort of made me think there's this thing you write in the book. Just let me read this and then we can talk about it. You say, now I'm just me and nobody wants to watch a woman strive to be a normal mother of two. (laughs) Or maybe they do. Is there enough drama in that? Well, there is, but it might not be cinematic. And, you know, there's this whole notion of now being a mother and the drama in that is, of course, enormous for all of us who are mothers. Yep. But how you think it's, you know, affected where you are in your career is interesting to me and interesting to me that it feels like it makes me see why you like the happiness project, because Gretchen's work is all about, you know, sort of the everyday. Yep. And it's about being present. And then then it's the everyday challenge of how do I balance waking up with the kids you know, now I'm running companies so that I can be the kind of mom I want to be and still because I want to show my kids that work is fun and work ethic is important. Like they'll be interning very early on in life <laughs> and like earning summer money and learning to do laundry, like all the things that I was forced to do it, it really set me on a good path. Like, you know, it was funny when people would look at me when I was younger and be like, oh, God, your life was crazy. I'm like, no, it was actually there were a lot of things that like kicked my butt in the right direction, actually, maybe not in the right way. Uh But the end result was really good. It was a lot of self-discipline and figuring out how to do things for yourself and, and coming up with philosophies of why it's so important to follow through or show up or, you know, keep your promises, as Nan so eloquently put. Um, and, and I, I loved reading your book cause I just related to it so much. Like I'm out of wipes. How did I let that, how did that, <laughs> how did that happen? That's the most important thing in the world. And right. I'm wetting a paper towel and, and, <laughs> you know, MacGyvering this moment. And yes, I'm beating myself up and that I suck and all this stuff, but it's like, it's so relatable and, you know, oh my God, I didn't bring a fourth bottle. Like so I'm running to a store to get milk and, you know, it just, um, how do I keep myself happy? How do I organize my life? How, how do I make everything conducive as a parent? How do I organize my day so that I'm going with the kids to all the things I need to with them to get to the meetings I need to get to maybe squeeze something in that's personally satisfying or healthy to do for myself. So so here, do you have a try this at home that you would suggest for other people? The only thing I have, which goes back to your picture frame things, is that I write in the journal to my daughters every day. Ah. And I suggest to people to write letters on your birthday or your child's ah. birthday and keep them in a box. And then when they're 18, like present them with this series of letters or any type of written documentation of what the day was or where you're at in life or where you observe they're at because then they can put a where you've been and where you're at now and look back on it and even the most mundane things like we stayed at home today and you know just had a cozy snow day inside of our living room or we went to this museum or we you know traveled to this place and whatever it is or you know today you spoke your first word and it was bird um 
And I know that that sounds like the bigger stuff. I'm trying to reach into the mundane. You know, it, it turns like, out you don't like corn anymore. <laughs> right, right. Their life through your eyes in a series of years is a very powerful thing. Well, that's a beautiful try this at home. Thank you. Drew. So thank you so much for coming. This was such a pleasure. I feel like we could talk all day. No. You've got lots of fabulous stuff to do. So I thanks just, so much for coming by. I feel like I just need to say thank you so much to both of you because you have built a temple about commercializing and celebrating the emotion of happiness, which I love the Happiness Project. And I have carried your book with me through countries and cities and savored it and cherished it and learned from it and related to it and been inspired by it. And it's not easy to build something as impactful as what you guys have done. And I congratulate you and I thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Elizabeth, wasn't that fun? So fun. You know, she's exactly what I expected from her book. No, I know exactly what you mean. Like, she's she's full of energy, and she's so interested in everything. And uh, I love that line about the rainbows or Skittles. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's just like perfect summing up. Is it a rainbow or is it Skittles? Yeah. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. Okay, demerits and gold stars. Elizabeth, you're up for a demerit. Okay, Gretch. This week, my demerit is once again in the arena of uh, Christmas decorations. <laughs> you know, I've mentioned that Adam and I are doing work on our house. And right now we're working on our guest bathroom. And the closet of our guest bathroom is where I keep all the Christmas decorations. And right now there's a sheet of plastic over the doorway to the closet to protect it. And somehow that plastic is like this barrier to entry for me um, in terms of getting my Christmas decorations. So I feel like I can't get my Christmas decorations or I'm using it as a loophole not to get out my Christmas decorations. So I haven't decorated. Well, this is, has to do with the strategy of inconvenience. And it turns out that we're anytime something is slightly more inconvenient, it acts as a major deterrent. Like even something that you're like, why does it matter? It doesn't, it doesn't even matter at all. And yet it does matter. And that's why if there's something we want to do, we want to make it as convenient as possible. Yeah, I, I should mention that the same, there's also plastic separating the treadmill from the rest of the room. 
And that also has been a hindrance to my getting on the treadmill. <laughs> so the lesson is cut through the plastic. Yeah. <laughs> Do it now. Uh, but fortunately, you're going to go to Kansas City, where our mother has more Christmas decorations than anyone can possibly imagine. And so you will be surrounded by Christmas cheer I, soon enough. Yes. And so will Jack. So that'll be yes. great. Yes. Um, all right. That's my demerit. What's your gold star this week? So I want to give a gold star to temporary tattoos. I just love temporary tattoos. This is like a new thing. They didn't really have them when we were little. We were really into scratch and sniffs, um, which I think there's a lot to be done with scratch and sniffs. But I really love te- temporary tattoos because they're they're like such a fun, quick hit. Yeah. You know, they're they're cheap. They're temporary. So, you know, it's like a low commitment. Um, but Everybody, I mean, my daughters get a huge kick out of them. They both have huge collections of temporary tattoos. And I just feel like, you know, sometimes my daughter, you know, if she's got a big game for lacrosse mm-hmm. or she's got a big test, she'll put on a temporary tattoo for luck. And I don't know. I just think they're a fun, inexpensive little lift. Yeah. And um, they're getting more and more creative all the time, like more interesting. They used to just be kind of like the cheesy ones that you would get in your gift bag for a, ch- a child's party. Um, but I just think that they're they're sort of like a great little thing. So gold star to temporary <laughs> tattoos. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Cultivate an end of the year ritual. What's your ritual? Let us know. We need ideas. We need end of year rituals ourselves. And thank you to our fantastic guest, Drew Barrymore. And you know what? I, I wanted to mention my favorite line in her book, um, and I forgot to bring it up, which was, she said about an anecdote of this very kind of haunting anecdote. She said, I haven't thought about this in so long, but even so, it haunts me daily. And I just, I, 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 that just resonated with me so much. So anyway, the book Wildflower, it's, it's fascinating. I think I read it in one day. Um, so anyway, so it was great to have her on the show. And thank you to our producer, Henry Malofsky. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes. And remember, the paperback of Better Than Before is in stores now. And if you want to see a free chapter, get a little teaser, go to happiercast.com slash free chapter to get a free chapter. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Hope to see you in San Francisco on January 21st at our first live event, Onward and Upward. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. 
So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.